Last week we, we heard about a broken marriage or what was potentially a broken marriage that God restored and God brought healing into their lives. And here today you've heard from one of our own, from uh, Lamar Butler, uh, whose son was actually married yesterday, so he's out this morning. Um, but you've heard about how his life has been impacted by a, a broken body. How it's been impacted by a broken body. You see brokenness, it looks like hardship. Brokenness looks like things like divorce. Brokenness looks like unhappiness. But one of the ways that we often don't think about brokenness and one of the ways that it manifests itself in our lives is how it really wears on our physical bodies. Our bodies are wearing the marks of what we would call brokenness and the consequences of sin. You see, every single one of us has dealt with some type of sickness. Every single one of us has dealt with stress and with anxiety. Every single one of us has had some type of physical ailment. Um, and if you haven't dealt with sickness or pain in your time, I guarantee you that you will or somebody that you love will. And even if it's just something like allergies or asthma or a cold or whatever it is, it leaves us longing within our hearts and within our souls. It leaves us longing for a time where it just won't be this way anymore. Like it leaves us longing for just, please, I, I just can't imagine, I can't wait, I I beg you, God, for a day when I don't have to deal with this anymore or where he or she doesn't have to deal with this anymore. Some of us have dealt with this way more than others. Some of us are dealing with this on a, on a daily, more regular basis where it's just overwhelming. Something maybe we fought since birth. And my question for you this morning is, is how do we find restoration Right? Like that's, the, that's the name of the series, Restored. How in the world can you find restoration in something so dark as a broken body? How in the world can you find hope in what looks like a very hopeless situation? Now this morning, what I'm not going to do is I'm not going to suggest that we just need to look on the bright side. I'm not going to suggest that we just kind of cover it up and act like everything is okay and that we don't really have to deal with this. I'm not going to suggest that we just pretend like everything's okay. But what I hope to do is, is kind of answer the question a little bit, okay, is there any hope for a broken body? And to kind of answer these questions, we're going to go back to the very beginning. Over the last several weeks, we've been looking, where did all this start? It started in the very beginning. And I'm going to kind of Assume that you know a little bit of this knowledge, but we're going to find this in, in all of Genesis. So, so Genesis chapter 3, if you've got your Bibles, you can kind of look there. I won't read any particular passage, but I am going to kind of gloss over this really, really quickly. I'm going to catch you up to speed a little bit. So Genesis 3, I'll, I'll just kind of sum, summarize a few things that have happened. In the beginning, God created all of creation including Adam and Eve, he's created it. He looks back, he steps back, he says, this is good, right? He looks back, he says, this is good. And he says that even about Adam and Eve, after he's created them, he looks at Adam and Eve and he says, they are good. Like it's not how you and I like would look at each other today and say, okay, this is good. I got stress, I got anxiety, I'm sick all the time. I wouldn't classify this as good. But in the very beginning, he creates it as good. God says, do not eat from the tree of knowledge of good and evil. What do they do? They do that exact thing. They eat from the tree. 
And if you would like to know more about that, you can see it last week. We spent an entire uh, message on that. So they, they rebel against God. They eat from the tree. As God deals out consequences, he deals out consequences for the man and for the woman. We covered that again last week. In Genesis 3.19, though, we're, we're kind of dive into this a little bit. Genesis 3.19, God says something to them or does something that we often don't think about. In Genesis 3.19, and I'll actually read that. Genesis 3.19, you can kind of read along. It should be on the second or third page of your Bible. Um, God says to them, By the sweat of your face you shall eat bread till you return to the ground, for out of it you were taken, for you are dust, and to dust you shall return. So God is kind of giving this mandate that man is going to die. That one of the consequences, one of the consequences for their sin, for their rebellion, for your sin, for your rebellion, for my sin and my rebellion is death. Spiritual death and physical death. You know anybody that's ever lived forever? Me either. That's what he says, Genesis 3.19. And then he also does something in 21. He says, And the Lord God made for Adam and for his wife garments of skins and clothed them. Remember, they had taken fig leaves and they had tried to cover themselves. And God says, no, 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 I'm going to really clothe you. I'm going to clothe you with with something that's even deeper here with skins. And And he clothes them, kind of symbolizing a picture of the good news that we often try to clothe ourselves with fig leaves, right? We try to find ourselves and joy and satisfaction in something else. God sets into motion a picture of the gospel here. He, he kind of sacrifices this animal and he clothes them with the skin of an animal, even shed blood. Just a picture of the gospel immediately in Genesis 3, 22. Then the Lord God said, Behold, the man has become like one of us in knowing good and evil. Now, lest he reach out his hand and take also from the tree of life and eat and live forever... Therefore, God, the Lord God sent him out of the Garden of Eden to work the ground from which he was taken. He drove out the man and he, to the east of, um, and at the east of the Garden of Eden, he placed the cherubim and a flaming sword that turned every way to guard the tree and uh, to the guard the tree of life. So, what God is doing here, we often don't think about this, is that God is protecting mankind from living in brokenness forever. I don't know if you've ever heard sermons on this or ever heard this studied or even ever just thought about what God just did right there, but God protected them from eating from this tree of life, protected them from being able to live forever in brokenness. So God kicks them out of the garden so that they can no longer take fruit, so that they can no longer take of this tree Uh, from the tree of life so that they can no longer live forever. God mandates that that man will die. And that's just where we are. Mankind living on this side of the garden. Mankind living outside of the garden. Mankind living outside of what was once perfect, outside of what used to be. And one of the first places that we see death As we see where this man named Cain, he kills his brother Abel because of rage in his heart. Rage in his heart, jealousy in his heart, a lack of giving thankfulness and a lack of sacrifice to the Lord. We see that. Later on, it says that Adam eventually dies at the ripe old age of 930 years old. Like, can you imagine living 930 years old? (laughs) My goodness. And then it comes to be just as God promised. 
just as God promised. He says, because you have done this, this is a part of the curse that man is going to die. And along with death came sickness. Along with death comes anxiety. Along with death comes depression. Along with death comes every single defect we see with the physical body. It started in Genesis chapter 3. You see, whenever God said that Adam and Eve were good as part of His creation, I, I can't imagine that God is looking at them and saying, this is my creation and this is good, if they were susceptible to things like the flu. Right? Like He wouldn't have said this is good if they were susceptible to things like anxiety. He wouldn't have said that this is good if they were susceptible to, to, to just random diseases. So this is a consequence of the sin. You see, sin makes us vulnerable to disease. Sin made them vulnerable to sickness. It made them vulnerable to death. And it's like at this point where I have to kind of pause and look back at Adam and Eve in the garden and I just like hate them. Like I just hate them for doing this, for bringing all this on us. But, but just like imagine he's just kind of standing there as my representative, as your representative. We would have done the same exact thing. We would have done, I know for a fact that I probably would have done the same exact thing. God says, do this, and I do the exact opposite. Or God says, don't do this, and I do that very thing. But sickness, it's made us vulnerable. We know that there's a problem. And I don't know about you, but I, I think that there's moments and times where just as, as humans we look and we ask, like, does God even care about this? Does God even care about sickness? Does God even care about disease? How can He possibly allow this? Turn to Matthew 8. Go to Matthew chapter 8. If you don't have a Bible, the words should be up on the screen. Matthew chapter 8. And now listen, I, I understand this is an extreme example, okay? We're going to look at a man with leprosy. This is a very extreme example, but I hope in this we're going to see a little bit about God and just the nature and characteristic of God. Matthew chapter 8. When he came down from the mountain, this being Jesus, when he came down from the mountain, he's got this large following, great crowds followed him, and behold, a leper came to him. Not a leopard, but a leper. A leper came to him. Come on, that was funny. All right, like that was funny. You can laugh. Just let some of the tension out of the room. All right, it's all right. A leopard coming up to Jesus. Just imagine that in your head. It's kind of funny. But a leper comes up to Jesus and he knelt before him saying, Lord, if you will, you can make me clean. And Jesus stretched out his hand and he touched him saying, I will be clean. And immediately his leprosy was cleansed. And Jesus said to him, See that you say nothing to anyone, but go and show yourself to the priest and offer the gift that Moses commanded for a proof to them. And when he had entered Capernaum, a centurion came forward appealing to him. He said, Lord, my servant is lying paralyzed at home, suffering terribly. And he said to him, I will. And he came and, he, he came and healed him. I will come and heal him. But the centurion replied, Lord, I am not worthy to have you come under my roof. But only say the word, and my servant will be healed. For I too am a man under authority with soldiers under me. And I say, one go, and he goes. And to another, come, and he comes. And to my servant, do this, and he does it. When Jesus heard this, he marveled and said to those who followed him, Truly I tell you, with no one in Israel have I found such faith. I tell you, 
Many will come from the east and west and recline at table with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob in the kingdom of heaven, while the sons of the kingdom will be thrown into the outer darkness. In that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. And to the centurion, Jesus said, Go, let it be done for you as you have believed. And the servant was healed at that very moment. Would you guys pray with me? Father, as we open Your Word, Lord, we pray that Your Spirit speak to us. Lord, we're not interested in information this morning. We're not, in for, we're not interested in learning something new for the sake of information. God, but as we open Your Word, we know that Your Word has the power to change our lives. That Your Word has the power to transform us, to making us more into the image of Your Son, Jesus. We chose rebellion. We chose brokenness. And brokenness has led us to this very place. But because of the love of God, the all-surpassing love of God, Lord, You provided a way for us out of brokenness. More than that, You provided a way out for us a way out of the consuming wrath of God that was headed for us through the person of Jesus Christ. And so this morning we pray for Jesus the healer to be here. Jesus the physical healer. Jesus the emotional healer. Jesus the spiritual healer. We pray for you to reach out and to touch us. Much like you did with the servant and the leper. We pray that we feel your compassion this morning. The compassion and the kindness and the love of God. Touch our souls, Lord. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. First thing that we see right here about learning from God is that God hates sickness, but He loves the sick. That God hates sickness, but He loves the sick. Again, now this is an extreme example, but one of the things that we see here is that, that, that kind of the, the lepers are, were really sick. They were known as like the outcasts. Like nobody had anything to do with the lepers. They were literally kicked out of the city. They had no friends. They had family, but the family didn't really want to have anything to do with them. They were often thought of to have made this kind of like sin or this transgression against God. And so that's why they're cursed. That's why they have leprosy. That's why they're sick is because obviously they've done something wrong. And so they literally kicked them out of the city. They were known as these outcasts. They had no friends, literally no family. They kind of had like scrounge for food. They literally were just trying to, to basically survive. No one could touch them. It was against the law to even be around them, for them to be a part of the city. Completely outcast, completely untouchable. Maybe you've heard that word before, an untouchable. That's who this is. That's who this person is that comes up to Jesus. This great crowd is around him. This man, he's kind of already breaking the law, coming around the great crowds, going up to Jesus. And, and like, just can you imagine with me for just a second? Imagine with me for just a second, like to live in that solitary confinement way of life where nobody can touch you, where everybody, every single one of your friends, they disown you. All of your family has kicked you out of the house. People barely look at you. Don't, you're, you're somebody else's problem. Can you imagine? Like not going, going without physical touch. 
physical touch. My son, over the last three weeks, one of the things that he loves, he loves to just be held. Because it's basically in our human DNA, like it's in our nature. We crave community with other people. We crave just physical touch. Can you imagine this leper for just a second who had nobody reach out and, and, and touch him for, for any time of his life, or had nobody that would be willing to kind of break the cultural rules, had nobody that would just kind of embrace him in a hug, hold hands with him, shake his hand, anything. And so he comes up to Jesus. And it says in 8.3, and Jesus stretched out his hand and touched him. And he touched him. You see, I love the words there of Matthew. I, I love just the description of what Jesus did because what Jesus did is Jesus just broke a whole lot of rules. It doesn't say that Jesus healed him from a distance. It doesn't say that Jesus knew about something that was going on and he was kind of isolated and he healed him from afar. It says that Jesus literally reached out his hand and he touched this leper, breaking all sorts of cultural rules, breaking rules from the Old Testament. But Jesus touched him. He says, I will be clean. Do you see what's happening here is that brokenness and sickness, it's a symbol of this world. Brokenness and sickness is a symbol of this world. And that's why whenever Jesus comes as a representative of the kingdom, Jesus heals. There is no sickness in heaven. There is no anxiety in heaven. There is no depression in heaven. There is no leprosy in heaven. And so whenever Jesus comes down representing the kingdom of God, he can only do that in reaching out into brokenness to fix brokenness. And because whenever Jesus comes as a manifestation of the kingdom of God, he changes brokenness and turns it into restoration. He changes things. Sickness, death, they're representatives of what happened in the Garden of Eden. Sickness, brokenness, death, it's representative of the moment in time whenever you and I stood in the garden and we looked at God and we said, we don't want to do it your way, we'd rather have it our way. So what can Jesus do? Jesus looks at us as the rebels, as the ones that have crossed him. And showing compassion that you or I can't even understand. Showing compassion that you or I have never put on display before. Jesus reaches out to us as the rebels and says, I will be healed. Just a beautiful picture here. Beautiful picture. Sickness and death is a reminder to our creator of man's rebellion. It's a reminder of what could have been sickness and death. I imagine we, we see many times in Scripture where Jesus is kind of moved within his gut, just heavily burdened for his creation. I imagine that whenever Jesus sees this today, he's stirred. He's stirred within his heart, within his gut for his creation. Men, women, and children made in his image and in his likeness. But you see, that still doesn't answer the question of how we find restoration. Still doesn't answer the question of how, how we find a little bit of hope. I hear you. Jesus cares for the sick. He hates, or, or God and Jesus, they hate sickness, but they love the sick. That's great. But how do I find hope? What's my silver lining this morning? How can God use this at all? 
You see, that's not the only thing that we see from Scripture. You see, we, we see that God hates sickness, but He loves the sick. We also see that God allows sickness, but God redeems the sickness. That God redeems the sick. What are you talking about? What in the world are you talking about? How can God, you, you're talking about like healing, like, you know, miraculous healing. You know, sometimes where I've heard where God will break through in these crazy miracles. He'll heal people of cancer. He'll change the situation, change the diagnosis. What in the world are you talking about? How can we find restoration in this situation? Let me, let me just say this. I, I mean this. We want to leave sickness and vulnerability behind. How many of you want to be sick? Nobody. Not me, not you. How many of you want a loved one to be dealing with something that you have absolutely no control? None of us want that. We want to disguise our weakness. We want no one to see it. We just want to be well. But here's the thing. In our weaknesses, it is perfectly in our weaknesses and in our moments of vulnerability that we are made more like Christ. That we are made more like Christ. Go Romans 8. I got a lot of unpacking to do. I got a lot of unpacking. I see the look in your eye. You're like, dude, you're crazy. Go Romans 8. We're going we're gonna to unpack this and kind of draw some things out of Scripture this morning. Romans 8, if you've got that, hopefully you do. Sickness, vulnerability, it makes us more like Christ. Romans 8, starting in verse 31. What then shall we say to these things if God is for us? Who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also with him, with Christ, graciously give us all things? This is where we get into the meat of this. Who shall bring any charge against God as elect? It is God who justifies. Who is to condemn? Christ Jesus is the one who died. More than that, who was raised, who is at the right hand of God, who is indeed interceding for us. Meaning that right now, actively, while you are sitting in your seat, God is kind of in this chair, in the throne. Jesus is right there at the right hand. He's praying for you at this moment. I don't know if you needed encouragement this morning, but what more encouragement could I possibly give you that Jesus is on your behalf right now? As the Holy Spirit lives within you, Holy Spirit crying out to Jesus, Jesus verbalizing all this to the Father, Jesus interceding for us right now. Verse 35, who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sore? As it is written, for your sake, we are being killed all the day long. For we are regarded as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all these things we are more than conquerors through Him who loved us. For I am sure that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all of creation. You can put in whatever type of sickness you have. Put it in right there. Can it separate us from the love of God? No. And he goes on to say right there, he says, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all of creation, who will be able to separate us from the love of Christ? Did you notice those verses right there, those words, that we are more than conquerors through Him who loved us? I don't know how many of you ever study battles. I don't know how many of you study history, study wars and different things like that. But whenever two countries would, would come together together, 
and they would go into this, this moment of, of battle, going into this moment of war, you basically had the, these points and times where you would, you would really know who the winner is. You'd wave that white flag, you'd surrender, we're done, we've got nothing left to give, it's over, battle has been won. And what would happen is this, this other enemy, the, the one that had come to, to supersede you, had come to won the battle, they were known as the conquerors, right? You either have a conqueror, or you have the one who has been conquered. That's not what Jesus says, is it? Jesus says, or Paul says through, through Christ, that we are more than conquerors. Well, in a battle, you're either conquered or you were conquered. How can you be more than a conqueror? How can you be more than a conqueror? Does that make sense this morning? Does that kind of understand? Do you understand what I'm saying? How in the world can we possibly be more than a conqueror? We get to be more than conquerors because what Satan and brokenness meant for evil, God turns and uses for good. Because what Satan means for evil, what Satan means to destroy us, what brokenness meant to do to us, God not only defeats it, God not only puts those things to shame, but God takes our sickness, He takes our brokenness, He takes our weakness, He even takes things like death, and He uses it for His good, for our good, for His glory. See, there's something powerful, something so powerful about being weak. There's something powerful about sometimes even being sick. That in those moments, God uses it and uses it as a way to conquer our enemy. 2 Corinthians 12, 9, Paul, Paul says this about his thorn in his flesh, but he said to me, meaning God, God said to me, my grace is sufficient for you for my power is made perfect in strength. He said to me, my he said, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in power. He said, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in never showing any vulnerability whatsoever. That's not what he says. He says, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. In weakness. So when we're weak, when we're vulnerable, whenever we're sick, the power of God shines through us. The power of the cross shines through our moments of vulnerability. For the sake, then, of Christ, I am content with weakness with insults, with hardships, with persecution, with calamities. For when I am weak, then I am strong. You see, the kingdom that we live in is different from anything that we know about this world. You see, the world says that power is for those that are healthy, that power is for those who are never sick, that power is for those who are never vulnerable. But Jesus says, because of the cross, Jesus says, because of my power that shines through, because of my grace that shines through, it's weakness where you are made strong. It's in being weak. It's in being sick. So if you're sick this morning or you love someone and they're sick or they're vulnerable, I need you to know two things this morning. I need you to know 
that God loves you. I can't think of anything more basic than that, but God loves you. And some of you need to hear that this morning. That God loves you. This is not one of those sermons where I tell you a bunch of stuff that you need to go and do. This is one of those sermons where I just need you to listen and just be. Just be. And allow God to love you this morning. Allow God to love on the ones you care about. You see, there's coming a day where God is going to crush Satan because he's led us to this. There's coming a day where God is going to stop all of this. If you're going through this, if you're, if you're kind of in one of these situations where you're living and it's a living hell or you're watching someone who's enduring a living hell, I need you to understand this. I need you to know that God has not abandoned you. He's there. And He hates it. He's grieving at this, that He cares about you. And He has not forgotten you. But also this, that, that if you're going, something, going through something like this, listen, that He loves you, but He's placed people around you that love you too. That you need the church. You need. Now, you may not want it. You may not want to have anything to do with other men, women, and children in your life. As a matter of fact, you want to repel that. You want to get away as far as you can from people. But I'm here to tell you today that you need the church. You need community. You need people in your life because you're going to want to quit and if you don't have people, you will quit. If you don't have people in your life who spur you to keep on going, who remind you of the Scriptures, even in those times where you, you don't want to hear the Scriptures, you don't want to be reminded of the Gospel, you don't want to be reminded of, of Jesus, even those things, listen, I, I understand that. And that's exactly why you need other believers in your life. So God loves you this morning. God has compassion for you this morning. The second thing is this, that God can redeem your story. That God can redeem your story, that He can bring restoration. God can redeem, He can fix it because sickness and vulnerability, listen, it allows us to be more like Christ. Who do you think is more like Jesus? Those that have been healthy all their life and have power? Or those that have been sick and vulnerable? Who's more like Christ? Because last time I checked, Christ came to the point of most vulnerability, naked and hanging on a cross in front of all of His friends and in front of all of His family. Hebrews 13, 12 says this, So Jesus also suffered outside the gate. Jesus became like a leper. Jesus became like an outcast. He suffered outside the gate as an untouchable in order to sanctify the people through His own blood. Therefore, let us go to Him outside the camp and bear the reproach He endured. For we have no lasting city, but we seek the city that is to come. You see, Jesus endured brokenness in a broken body type of way. Jesus knows what it's like to have his body crushed. 
Jesus knows what it's like to be vulnerable. Jesus knows what it's like to go through what you're going through. Let me say that again. Jesus knows what it is like because he became vulnerable in that moment on the cross. And whenever we're sick, whenever we're vulnerable, whenever we're weak, we are more like Christ. We're more like Jesus. I think about my aunt. Vicky was her name. Vicky, my aunt, um, at about 10, 11 years old, she was diagnosed with a brain tumor. And back in the 70s, you know, it's just it's totally different procedures nowadays. But she was diagnosed with this brain tumor. She went in, she had the tumor removed, and I'm telling you that from the age of 11 or 12, her life was never the same ever again. Um, and she lived to be about 40 years old. And she died actually coming up on a five-year anniversary. As soon as Ashley and I moved to this area, she, she passed. And um, I was really close to her. Um, she lived, obviously, with my grandparents to the day that she died. She could not live on her own, couldn't drive a car, couldn't um, hold a job. Um, she lived next door to us with my grandparents, so I was able to see her many times a week. And I just remember um, going to my grandparents' house all the time and just you could hear her just sick and dealing with this and um, in pain oftentimes and she'd kind of be in off in another room and I just remember being as a kid it was so scary and then as I got older you know she kind of moved to the stage where she had oxygen tanks and she um, literally needed those for every moment of her life to enable uh, to be able to breathe she needed those things and I'll never forget this about her that even though she was sick and even though um, her life was, was changed forever. Her life was just broken. Her body was, was broken. Her spirit wasn't broken. Um, at times in church, you know, they would offer up times and opportunities for people to sing. And um, I'll never forget being a kid as they, the church kind of offered these opportunities for people to keep every single time without fail, she would sing. And she would get up on stage with just herself and with just a cassette tape and would sing her heart out to the Lord. And every, every time the church would give testimony time, she would stand up and give testimony about the goodness of God. Whew. She had the sweetest, most childlike faith. And you look at situations like this, you say, how in the world can God get glory? How in the world can this be restored? Well, Here's the restoration of this. Even though she was sick, even though she never got to experience things like you or I are able to experience, she still said, I will praise the Lord. She still said, Jesus is the sweetest thing to me. Even in those moments. Even, even in the hardest of times and eventually whenever she passed, her funeral was almost more like a worship service. Because we had seen her life and we know this is exactly what she would have wanted. You see, sickness reminds us of brokenness. Sickness also makes us more like Jesus. But sickness also reminds us of what is to come. Of something better that is to come. 
want everybody to do something for me real fast, just kind of where you're seated. Would you just close your eyes? Just close your eyes. And I want to read some scripture to you this morning from Revelation 21. So we started in the very beginning. We're going to end in the very end. This is what is to come. Revelation 21. These are the words of John. He's looking over heaven. He's already talked about the glory of Christ. Jesus is coming to defeat Satan. He's coming to end it all. He's coming to fix brokenness. He's coming to fix sickness. This is what Jesus is coming to do. And then in Revelation 21, he's he's wrapping it all up. And this is what he says in Revelation 21. He says, Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and the sea was no more. And I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. That city, New Jerusalem, that's you. That's me. If you've placed your faith in Jesus Christ, that's your loved one. New Jerusalem. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them. And they will be His people. And God Himself will be with them as their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. And death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning nor crying, nor pain anymore. For the former things have passed away. Listen to this. And he who was seated on the throne said, Behold, I am making all things new. Our bodies will be new. Our stories will be new. I am making all things new. Father, as we come this morning, our hearts are overwhelmed with brokenness, with sickness, with death. And we don't know how to find hope in these situations. We don't know how to find restoration. But we know that for those who have placed their faith in Jesus Christ, that this is the truth. That we can be more than conquerors through Him who loved us. That we can stand victorious and say, this will not be what defines me. That even though it's dark, that even though I'm in pain, that even though the ones that I love are in pain, we're conquerors. And that we'll use it for the glory of God and for our good because in our moments of weakness, we are just like you. But oh Lord, put a longing in our hearts for heaven put a longing in our hearts for what is to come when there's no more weeping, no more 
crying, no more mourning, no more death, no more pain. Because our God and our Father has put all things under his feet. And our God and our Father has made all things new. But here on the outside of the garden, we just ask for a special compassion from the Lord. A special love and a special kindness to reach down and to heal those that we love. To give us hope for restoration. Not only for the next life, but in this one. For those that are hurting this morning, God, I pray that you wrap your arms around them. Let them feel the peace that surpasses all understanding. We love you, Jesus. We ask this in your name. Amen. Just call to your memory this morning that Jesus loves you. He hates sickness, but he loves the sick. Jesus allows sickness. But he brings redemption. This morning, as we sing this last song, I, I don't know where you are this morning. If you just need somebody to pray with you, just to listen, I'll be in the back to listen and pray. And if you want to stand and worship, I pray that you would do that. If you just need to move off to the side with a friend, whatever it is, I just want to be sensitive to whatever God's doing this morning.